Holy Gospel is written in the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at the 19th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Please be seated. The other day I went to see my solicitor to update my will. Not that I'm feeling unwell, it just is a good thing just to make sure everything's in order. My solicitor said, ideally, you should do your giving while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. Interesting advice. But all this got me thinking about what sort of legacy did Jesus leave to his followers? Certainly, materially speaking, very little. They remember the soldiers even gambled for the robe that he was wearing when he had been crucified. But he did leave something very precious indeed. And in John's Gospel, we read what that legacy is. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not as the world gives. This peace that Jesus promises in his legacy is very unique and extremely precious. Think, if you will, of a triangle and, and three elements of the peace that Jesus leaves with us. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace within Let's look briefly at those three elements. Peace with God. Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're reconciled with God. And it's an, ex it's an ex incredible experience. And we're reminded of it each time we come to this service of Eucharist, of the cost for us to have peace with God as we recall the broken body and the shed blood and also the new power for living. There's a beautiful prayer I saw once which often challenges me, a sort of prayer to, to make as we approach the communion table. And here it is. Grant, O Lord, that as I approach the communion table this day, I may be awakened to the wonder of your great love for us. May familiar words shine with new meaning 
and that this habit of worship may be cleansed of any stale formality or mere ceremonial observance. Open my eyes to see that you are with me as I kneel to receive the elements. And as you speak your word, may I realize in wondering awe that we can be forgiven, energized with new life and throbbing with new power, all made possible through our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. But then the other element was peace with one another. And how vital that is in these days. All of us could say, well, we're lovers of peace, but are we peacemakers? There's a great cry for peacemakers in the world of politics, of course, but also in our home life, sometimes between husband and wife, or parents and children, or between children, or between Christians in various churches. How tragic it is when, of all people, us Christians, don't always have peace with one another. Paul, in one of his letters, said, make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Wise words. It's a very interesting thought for the day on the radio the other day about being a peacemaker. And sometimes it seems overwhelming to even begin. But the speaker said he once heard these wise words. Yard by yard is hard, but inch by inch anything is a cinch. In other words, small steps to be peacemakers in the power of Christ and his spirit can in the long run be very productive. Peace with God, peace with one another, and crucially and thirdly, peace within. There's that great passage in the book of Isaiah, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is the rock eternal. But all of us here, I'm sure, are aware of the enemies to peace within, the enemy of worry, but Paul again says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what happens then? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Jesus Christ. Or there's the danger of overactivity and us getting exhausted and our Lord will give us a wise selectivity of what we do and what we leave and have more peace within. And then there's the moods that all of us go through which can threaten this inner peace. Despondency, discouragement, depression, despair. And yet all of these can be overcome through the strength that the Christian message gives to us. The spirit of Jesus in our hearts.
keeping that inner peace that makes us not only content, but valuable servants of Jesus Christ in a troubled world. So let's claim afresh that great promise of Jesus, that promise that was fulfilled. We read about it in our reading when he came to his disciples. The first thing he said to them after um, his resurrection was, peace be with you. He delivered on his promise. That was his legacy. And incredibly, we too can claim that promise this very day. For he's once said, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so in conclusion, that very familiar prayer, and now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and abide with you always. Amen.